Hi, this is Father Neil here, and welcome to the June 6th episode of the podcast Catechism with Father Neil. Today we're looking at numbers 1217 through 1228 of the Catechism. 2. Baptism in the Economy of Salvation Prefigurations of Baptism in the Old Covenant 1217 In the Liturgy of the Easter Vigil, during the blessing of the baptismal water, the Church solemnly commemorates the great events in salvation history that already prefigured the mystery of baptism. O God, who by invisible power accomplish a wondrous effect through sacramental signs, and who in many ways have prepared water your creation to show forth the grace of baptism. 1218. Since the beginning of the world, water, so humble and wonderful a creature, has been the source of life and fruitfulness. Sacred Scripture sees it as overshadowed by the Spirit of God. O God, whose Spirit, in the first moments of the world's creation, hovered over the waters, so that the very substance of water would even then take to itself the power to sanctify. 1219. The Church has seen in Noah's Ark a prefiguring of salvation by baptism, for by it a few, that is, eight persons, were saved through water. O God, who by the outpouring of the flood foreshadowed regeneration, so that from the mystery of one and the same element of water would come an end to vice and a beginning of virtue. 1220. If water springing up from the earth symbolises life, the water of the sea is a symbol of death, and so can represent the mystery of the Church. By this symbolism, baptism signifies communion with Christ's death. 1221. But above all, the crossing of the Red Sea, literally the liberation of Israel from the slavery of Egypt, announces the liberation wrought by baptism. O God, who caused the children of Abraham to pass dry shod through the Red Sea, so that the chosen people set free from slavery to Pharaoh, would prefigure the people of the baptised. 1222. Finally, baptism is prefigured in the crossing of the Jordan River, by which the people of God receive the gift of the land promised to Abraham's descendants, an image of eternal life. The promise of this blessed inheritance is fulfilled in the new covenant. Christ's baptism, 1223. All the old covenant's prefiguration find their fulfilment in Christ Jesus. He began his public life. After having himself baptised by St John the Baptist in the Jordan. After his resurrection, Christ gives his this mission to his apostles. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. 1224. Our Lord voluntarily submitted himself to the baptism of St. John, intended for sinners, in order to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus' gesture is a manifestation of his self-emptying. The Spirit, who has hovered over the waters of the first creation, descended then on, the, on Christ as a prelude of the new creation, and the Father revealed Jesus as his beloved Son. 12.25. In his Passover... Christ opened to all men the fountain of baptism. He has already spoken of his passion, 
which he was about to suffer in Jerusalem, as a baptism with which he has to be baptised. The blood and water that flowed from the pierced side of the crucified Jesus are types of baptism and the Eucharist, the sacraments of this new life. From then on, it is possible to be born of water and the Spirit in order to enter the kingdom of God. See where you are baptised. See where baptism comes from, if not from the cross of Christ, from his death. There is the whole mystery. He died for you. In him you are redeemed. In him you are saved. Baptism in the Church From the very day of Pentecost, the Church has celebrated and administered holy baptism. Indeed, St. Peter declares to the crowd, astounded by his preaching, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The apostles and their collaborators offer baptism to anyone who believed in Jesus, Jews, the God-fearing pagans. Always baptism is seen as connected with faith. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household, St. Paul declared to the jailer in Philippi. As the narrative continues, the jailer was baptised at once with all his family. 1227. According to the Apostle Paul, the believer enters through baptism into communion with Christ's death, is buried with him and rises with him. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? We were baptised therefore with him by baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. The, bapti- the baptised have put on Christ. Through the Holy Spirit, baptism is a bath that purifies, justifies and sanctifies. 1228 Hence, baptism is a bath of water in which the imperishable seal of the Word of God produces its life-giving effect. St. Augustine says of baptism, The Word is brought to the material element and it becomes a sacrament. Very well, so we continue today and today we're looking at um, how baptism is linked to the economy of salvation. If you remember, in uh, earlier in the Catechism, we were looking at economy as being this wholeness, this interlinked, this kind of symphony of the faith, where everything is linked together. <clears throat> Just like the, uh, the, the economy, the way we usually use it to mean money, is that everything is linked also financially. That what happens in, in the, I don't know, the price of gold will affect the price of your mortgage even if gold goes up in Peru, maybe your mortgage in Canada will be affected by it. So this kind of economy that everything is lots of things together that affect each other. And the economy of salvation is this universe of salvation. Everything to do with salvation that comes together, be it the sacraments, be it the creed, be it the Ten Commandments, be it the prayer, everything kind of links together and forms the salvation kind of like a humongous Rubik's Cube. That the Rubik's Cube, again, some people are very good at it, I was always hopeless at it, but if you if you twist it one way, it affects the colours on the other sides. And if you can imagine a Rubik's Cube that's got, I don't know, a million different sides, and each side has got three million uh, uh, buttons on it, uh, and the, the, the economy of salvation brings everything together, fixes all the, the, the sides perfectly, 
by twisting and we can't know what's happening, <clears throat> but at the end everything is fixed. And so baptism in this economy of salvation, the economy of salvation is God's plan to bring every human person, if they want, to salvation. And this is, the, this is baptism plays a very big part in this. And here we see uh, how baptism in, in this section, we're looking at how baptism uh, relates to the Old Testament. And for this, we're looking at the blessing of the water from the Easter Vigil. There's a very a nice uh, prayer whereby water is blessed for baptism in the Easter Vigil. It's a nicer one than, than is used at the regular baptism outside of, outside of the Easter Vigil. But it's this um, beautiful prayer of blessing that, again, is fantastic. But it's... Um, uh, so here we can see a lot of our th theology of baptism and showing the Spirit hovering over the water in the beginning of creation, showing Noah's Ark as being the, 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 the salvation from the flood, uh, showing the crossing of the crossing of the River Jordan, crossing of the Red Sea by the people of Israel, and then the River Jordan is the symbolism of baptism, going from slavery to freedom. That's what baptism is, and then it carries on into the life of Christ, Christ being baptized, in a sense, to sanctify the water. That when we're baptized, the water sanctifies us. But as we saw before, water is just an element. It's a nice element, it's a necessary element, it's an element that we need for life. But it isn't an element that gives us a spirituality per se. It doesn't have a spiritual power outside of the liturgy. So in the liturgy, how does it receive the spiritual power? Through Christ going down to be baptized. They say that when Christ was baptized in the River Jordan, the actual place, the site, that the, the archaeologists are fairly sure where it is. It's on the border between current-day Israel and Jordan. And the River Jordan there, it's the deepest part of the planet. It's the deepest part of the planet Earth that's still on dry land. That Christ went down to the depths. That any other part in the planet that that's deep is under an ocean. But there, the River Jordan is the, it's very deep. I mean, you kind of, uh, if you go there, in the, if you're driving there in a bus or whatever, your ears pop because you're going down so far. And that's where Christ who came down, this kenosis, this word kenosis, this descent of Christ, going down to the lowest part of the world to be baptized, to be plunged into the water by John, who is baptizing sinners. He's not giving a Christian baptism. He's doing it as a, as a sign of repentance. And Christ, who had nothing to repent of because he had no sin, goes down to the water. And John doesn't want to baptize him, but uh, Jesus says no, so that all righteousness might be fulfilled. And he's baptized and then the heavens open. Because up until then, the heaven had been closed. From Adam and Eve until Jesus, heaven was closed. You couldn't get into heaven. There was an angel with a fiery sword guarding the gate of heaven. And nobody could get in. And all of the just who had died... Before this, were waiting to get into heaven, but they couldn't get into heaven. And now when Christ goes down and is baptized in the lowest part of the world, heaven is opened again. And we can see the, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove. And we can hear the voice of God, the Father, saying, This is my Son, the Beloved, listen to him. But all this to say that Christ is also giving meaning to baptism. That he is giving a content to the sacrament. He is giving a promise to it. He is giving a guarantee to it. But he is helping it. And then it continues in the same way, looking at the um, the preaching of Paul, the preaching of the apostles in the New Testament, as to what baptism is. And this uh, very deep, very beautiful theology of baptism. Again, uh, as I say, I can't go into every single image here, 
but the catechism is beautiful and this is one of the <clears throat> parts of the catechism where it's very nice if you're meditating on baptism or if you have uh, a child or a, a relative being baptized or if you're preparing for baptism yourself to take out this section of the catechism and look at the footnotes and look at all of the biblical passages that are there in the footnotes and these will help you to understand what baptism is. How do we understand baptism? This will give us a great help, this section of the catechism, and a great help especially because it is so dependent on the Bible and it will help us to, uh, to scrutinise the scriptures and to see what baptism means. So again, as I say, it would be an afternoon well spent to spend an afternoon going over this uh, and looking at the, um, the different footnotes that are there in the in the section that we that we read today, um, they would be a very beautiful way to spend an afternoon, deepening our knowledge of baptism, seeing how linked baptism is to the Holy Scriptures, to the experience of Christ, to the experience of the Old Testament, to the experience of the apostles, and this way that we can um, that we can find how baptism allows us to put on Christ, to wear Christ to discover how baptism purifies, justifies and sanctifies us. So very well, so tomorrow we'll continue and tomorrow we look at numbers 1229 to 1245. God bless.